Dedicated missionary service returns a dividend of eternal joy, which extends throughout mortality and into eternity. I want it absolutely clear that I declared to the world in the most straightforward language I could summon that the Book of Mormon is true. True disciples of Jesus Christ are willing to stand out, speak up, and be different. If you're not a full-time missionary with a missionary badge pinned on your coat, now is the time to paint one on your heart. God has something unimaginable in mind for you personally and the church collectively. A marvelous work and a wonder. In this church, what we know will always trump what we do not know. Missionary work is an identifying feature of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Always has it been, ever shall it be. Let us be awake and not be wary of well-doing, for we are laying the foundation of a great work, even preparing for the return of the Savior. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Mission Prep Podcast. To start off what I will be talking about today, I've got an email from one of you that I wanted to share, so here we go. We're just going to get right to it. This email is from Hunter, who has a mission call to the Dominican Republic Santo Domingo West Mission, and he is asking for some advice on how to fill the Spirit because he doesn't really know if he knows. And I'm assuming what he means by that is he doesn't really know if he actually knows that the gospel is true. So first off, Hunter, thanks for writing in. And secondly, I think this is a concern that honestly a lot of missionaries have before they enter the field. And that includes me. So for this episode of the Mission Pet Podcast, we're just going to go over and unpack this concern a little bit and talk about it. Before I go any further, though, there is a short story that Elder Jeffrey R. Holland shared in a general conference a few years back that I think would apply to this question. He said, a 14-year-old boy recently said to me a little hesitantly, Brother Holland, I can't yet say that I know the church is true, but I believe it is. Elder Holland then replies, I hugged that boy until his eyes bulged out. I told him with all the fervor of my soul that belief is a precious word, an even more precious act and he need never apologize for only believing. I told him that Christ himself said, be not afraid, only believe, a phrase which, by the way, carried young Gordon B. Hinckley into the mission field. I told this boy that belief was always the first step toward conversion, and I told him how very proud I was of him for the honesty of his quest. So, Hunter, you have done a very important thing in honestly acknowledging your concerns. That is a really important first step in facing them head on and resolving them. So for you and for everyone else, as time draws near for you to leave on your mission, you may begin questioning whether or not you personally have a conviction of the truths that you'll be teaching. While you're growing up in the gospel, having faith may or may have not been easy for you, but most likely when the time comes for you to go on a mission, your faith will be tried in ways that has never been tried before. As you start thinking about the fact that you'll be teaching the gospel to complete strangers, you'll probably start searching deep within yourself to find where your personal convictions are. It is difficult for a salesman to try and sell a product that they don't personally believe in, and much in the same way as a missionary, your words will have greater power when there is conviction behind them. And maybe this thought scares you a little bit. Maybe you are starting to wonder whether you really know if you know. All of a sudden, you have all this pressure to feel a certain way about the things that you'll be sharing, 
and that can be a really heavy burden. So if you are feeling this way, what should you do? Well, first and foremost, as I've said before, it is important to remember that it is a very typical experience for most missionaries. I personally don't recall experiencing difficulties with my testimony before I left on my mission, but I sure did when I was out in the field. And I can maybe get into that story a little more in another episode, but for now, just know that you aren't alone. In fact, I would go so far as to say that having this type of experience is actually a really good thing. If you always felt comfortable with where your testimony was at, then it would never have any room to grow. I thought I had a strong testimony before I left on my mission, but boy was I wrong. It wasn't until I really had to struggle and search deeply that I learned what it really meant to have a strong testimony of the Savior and His Gospel. And for me, it wasn't until I was on my mission that I had really learned how to do that. This will most likely be the case for many of you as well. Hopefully not, but you might still find yourself in this same situation as I did. Surfing a mission is a major commitment, and I'm sure that all of you are fairly experienced with making big commitments, right? You know that right before you take the plunge, you naturally are going to think it through and second-guess yourself more than you ever have up to that point. I remember how, as a kid, I was so excited to learn how to drop in on a vert ramp with my skateboard. I would play it over and over in my head and review it again and again how I was going to do it. But when I was standing over that drop with my board hanging off the coping, I began to question and doubt myself and wondered if I really had what it took, or if I even wanted to do it at all anymore. So as you are getting closer to your mission, and you are beginning to question if you really know, don't let that discourage you. In fact, let it light a freaking fire under you. Let it push you in the right direction. You can use this as fuel to propel yourself forward. All this means is that Heavenly Father feels that you are ready to grow and it means that he trusts that you will turn to him as you continue your own personal journey to more deeply know the truth. But before we move any further, we need to get back to the original question for a minute. So if you guys are unsure, if you know deep within your heart that the gospel is true, by now at least you should understand that it is okay if you feel like you don't know. As Elder Holland already pointed out, simply believing is enough. Jesus himself has even said that all things are possible to him that believeth. So if you feel like this is the point where you are at right now, know that that is enough for Jesus to work miracles in your life. But this still poses other questions that we need to answer, like, what about those who feel like they can't believe? And how do we get to the point where we can believe? How can we turn belief into a sure knowledge of something? How can I get from simply believing that the church is true to knowing it within every fiber of my being? Well, guys, I'm glad you asked. Let me tell you. Actually, I've got a way better idea. I'm going to let Alma tell you because he does a way better job of it than I do. Yes, that Alma, the one from the Book of Mormon who had this crazy conversion story. He might know a thing or two about this, so let's just read what he says. Okay, if you aren't already familiar with Alma 32, guys, it's time to get familiar because this is easily one of the best sermons given in the Book of Mormon. Here, Alma and his missionary companion Amulek are together preaching the gospel in the land of Antionum. With them were also three of the sons of Messiah. Remember that these were the three that were with Alma when the angel appeared to him as they were all going about trying to lead people away from the church. So this sermon takes place almost 20 years after this experience. Zeezrom also summoned with a unique conversion story and a friend of Alma was there with him as well. So the people living in the land of Antionum were once Nephites who belonged to the church of God but had fallen away. 
It's really interesting to me, and this is something that I just noticed as I was writing this, that Alma and his friends are a group of missionaries who had once actively opposed God and the church and are now trying to preach the gospel to those who had once embraced the gospel but had fallen away. I like to think that as Mormon was abridging the plates, he wanted to show us that we are all a fallen people and that God is actively trying to bring us back to him. It's really cool stuff when you think about it. Anyway, so they are going about trying to share the gospel and they aren't having any success until they are met by a certain group of people who Mormon describes as poor as to the things of this world and also poor in heart. This is a really important description because as we learn from the parable of the sower taught by Christ himself, only those with quote-unquote good ground are able to nourish the gospel seed in their heart. If the gospel seed falls upon a stony heart, it can't grow. So keep this in mind as we read some of Alma's words together. Okay, starting in verse 6, Alma recognizes that these people are ready for the gospel. He beheld their afflictions had truly humbled them, and they were in preparation to hear the word. He then goes on to say to them that, It is well that you are cast out of your synagogues, that you may be humble, and that you may learn wisdom. For it is because that you are cast out, that you are despised of your brethren because of your exceeding poverty, that you are brought to lowliness of heart. So here we have a people that are humbled by their circumstances, and so naturally, they are looking for something better. Alma then goes on to say, Because you are compelled to be humble, blessed are ye. But do you not suppose that they are more blessed who truly humble themselves because of the word? Yea, he that truly humbleth himself, and repenteth of his sins, and endureth to the end, the same shall be blessed. Yea, much more blessed than they who are compelled to be humble. Therefore, blessed are they who humble themselves without being compelled to be humble. Or rather, in other words, blessed is he that believeth on the word of God, yea, without being brought to know the word, or even compelled to know before they will believe. Okay, so there is a lot to unpack here. First, Alma is saying that humility is a prerequisite to receiving knowledge and blessings. He is also saying that people can come to humility in one of two ways. First, they can be humbled by their circumstances, and in the case of Alma himself, he was struck down by an angel. Pretty humbling experience. Or in the case of these people, they were poor outcasts. So Alma tells them that the other way to humility is much better, and I can understand why. This better way is to make the choice to be humble. Yes, probably more often than not, we have a hard time being humble until our circumstances bring us to our knees, but as Alma points out, it is much better to just choose to be humble. For the purpose of obtaining a testimony of the Savior and his gospel, humility is the key, because without it, we aren't even going to want his gospel. We're not going to want the Savior in our lives if we aren't first humbled. Humility is what brings us to want God in our lives. And that, my friends, is what everything really boils down to. Ultimately, our testimony is built upon our very desire to know the truth. Blessed are all they who do hunger and thirst after righteousness, Jesus says, for they shall be filled with the Holy Ghost. So if you really want that witness from the Spirit, you've got to want it as bad as when your body wants food and water when it's starving or parched. Guys, think about the last time that you were just really hungry or really thirsty and just how bad you wanted some food and some water. It's got to be on that level. So if you're having a hard time believing, merely having the desire to believe, merely wanting to be able to believe is the very thing that's going to get you to where you want to go. Continuing on in Alma's sermon, he says, If you will awake and arouse your faculties, 
even to an experiment upon my words, and exercise even a particle of faith. Yea, even if you can no more than desire to believe, let this desire work in you until you believe. Okay, so we know that we are moving in the right direction if we merely want to believe, but God wants so much more for us than just that. In order for our belief to grow into a testimony, faith must be exercised. So if we are going to use this metaphor that Alma is using, exercising faith means that we plant the gospel seed in our heart. Imagine for a minute that you're a farmer and you want to grow a fruit tree. Let's just say that this is your first experience trying to grow anything, and so you don't know from personal experience that it's going to work. But you've been told by other people with experience growing fruit what you need to do in order to grow your tree. So you do what they tell you and you prepare the ground and plant the seeds. The very action of planting the seeds in the ground means that you are showing faith that the plant will grow. If you didn't have faith that the seed would sprout and grow into a plant, then you wouldn't plant the seed in the first place, right? Now going back to Alma's analogy. Alma likens the seed to the word of God. To us, this means the scriptures and words given by modern day prophets. He then goes on to say that if you will give place that a seed may be planted in your heart, behold, if it be a true seed or a good seed, if you do not cast it out by your unbelief that you will resist the spirit of the Lord, behold, it will begin to swell within your breasts. And when you feel these swelling motions, you will begin to say within yourselves, it must needs be that this is a good seed or that the word is good, for it beginneth to enlarge my soul, yea, it beginneth to enlighten my understanding, yea, it beginneth to be delicious to me. Guys, I could easily spend a whole episode talking just about this verse. I just absolutely love the metaphors that Alma uses here, and it's such a good way of describing this whole process. But for the sake of not boring you all to death, Alma is simply saying that as the seed begins to grow within your heart, you will feel it and it will feel great. But as he immediately points out, there's still more to the process. He says in the next verse, Would not this increase your faith? I say unto you, yea. Nevertheless, it hath not grown up to a perfect knowledge. Most of you have probably already had at least one experience like this when the seed has began to grow and as Alma describes it, it tastes delicious to you. Otherwise, you probably wouldn't be here or wouldn't have made the decision to serve a mission. Usually this is all it takes for someone to want to share the gospel because it's such a pleasant experience. If this is where you are right now in the process of your conversion, guys, buckle up because there's still more. Alma continues, As a tree beginneth to grow, you will say, Let us nourish it with great care, that it may get root, that it may grow up and bring forth fruit unto us. And now behold, if ye nourish it with much care, it will get root and grow up and bring forth fruit. But if ye neglect the tree and take no thought for its nourishment, behold, it will not get any root. And when the heat of the sun cometh and scorcheth it, because it hath no root, it withers away. Many will think that they have arrived at their destination with their testimony once the seed has begun to grow, and then they stop continuing to do the things that allowed the seed to start growing in the first place. When we don't continue to nourish it and care for it, it still might spring up. On the outside, it'll look like it's flourishing, but what you can't see is that underneath, it still has no roots. So when the heat of the sun gets to it, which is just another way of saying when life happens, it dies. And we wonder how this could possibly have happened when it looked like it was doing so well. We all might experience this to one degree or another, and some of us give up on this process because we think that the seed was bad when in reality it died because of our own neglect. Alma continues, 
If you will not nourish the word looking forward with an eye of faith to the fruit thereof, you can never pluck of the fruit of the tree of life. But if ye will nourish the word, yea, nourish the tree as it beginneth to grow, by your faith with great diligence and patience, looking forward to the fruit thereof, it shall take root, and behold, it shall be a tree springing up unto everlasting life. This, my friends, is what it means to have a testimony. The fruit of the tree is the witness of the Holy Ghost pouring the love of God into your heart. Now, this is all sweet and nice, but many of us may have tried this experiment over and over and feel like it's not working. For some reason, we just aren't feeling what it is that we want to feel. We may even have periods where we just aren't feeling the Spirit at all. If you are someone who has received witnesses from the Holy Ghost of truth and feel like you don't know if it's true anymore, let me ask you a question that someone once asked me a long time ago. If God has told you something is true before, does it make it any less true if he hasn't told you again? The very reason, guys, that he may have given you a special witness of something in the first place was because you were committed to doing something about it. He trusted that if he gave you that witness that you would act on it. There are a lot of reasons why you may not be feeling the Holy Ghost, and I won't get into that here, but maybe in this case it's because God trusts that you will do the right thing regardless of whether you are feeling all warm and fuzzy inside or not. It's the times when you choose to do what is right regardless of how you are feeling that you grow the most. And God cares much more about your growth than he does your own comfort. This brings me to my next point. While having a testimony is crucial and the experience of feeling the Spirit is super dope, it is only a means to an end. God doesn't want you to just simply have a testimony. Recall that in multiple instances in the New Testament, demons had acknowledged that Jesus was the Son of God. They had a testimony of him. But for them, that wasn't enough. They were still deceived by Satan and eventually chose to follow him instead of Christ. In order for us to receive all that God wants to give us, we need to be converted to Jesus Christ. This means that we continue to exercise our faith in him. It means that we follow him even in the times when that is the hardest thing to do. This includes the times when we can't feel his spirit. In Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus, he says, The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Guys, this means that as the wind comes and goes, so do the feelings of the Spirit. Yes, we need to do all that we can to be worthy of it, but we cannot force it. God will allow us to feel the sweet peace that comes from his Spirit when he sees fit. He knows what we need far better than we do, and so usually his timing is going to be different than ours. He wants you to learn to choose him simply because you love him, not because he does what you want and gives you what you ask for. So remember that in the process of growing your tree, that while gaining a testimony is important, it's not the end goal. The end goal is conversion to Jesus Christ. So keep that in mind not only for yourself, but also for those who you'll be teaching. Become an expert at this process so you know how to help others along in their own conversion to the Savior. Thank you everyone for listening to this episode, and thank you Hunter for asking that question. Many others will benefit because you did so. Keep up the good work and good luck out there in the Dominican Republic. Remember that if you want to submit a question or share something with us, you can write into me at missionprepodcast at gmail.com. If not, remember that you guys are awesome and that you've got this. I'll catch you guys in the next episode. Peace.